Smells like football, baby. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the Fantasy Football Smackdown. I'm your host, Jake Rip. You can find me on Twitter at JakeTakesFF. And of course, joining me as always, folks, you know him, you love him. He's on Twitter at KyleMonth8, but he's with us all damn year. Folks, give it up right now for Kyle August. Good to have the studio audience here, as always. Jake, what up, bro? Good to be talking rankings with you today. How you been? Dude, I'm good. I'm, I'm chilling. I, like you said, I'm excited to get into the rankings. Uh, you know, quarterbacks are fun. Running backs are fun. But there's something about the receivers. Maybe it's the depth of the position that really gets in- interesting. But uh, we knew last week because we were closer on all these quarterbacks and running backs than we even you and I expected that this, this week would be a little bit different. So, it's going to be fun to see how uh, how we differentiate on some of these players. Yeah, it's def- it with re you know we talked when we talked last week. If you guys missed last uh, last Tuesday's episode of the SmackDown, go back and check it out. Uh, but when I was putting these rankings together, I'm just like the the wide receiver list just kept going and going and going and going, and I'm like, man, I love a lot of these guys. Like you know, spoiler alert here, but I I have uh, where's he at? Will Fuller, 30 second. Yeah. You know, he's gonna. I'm like. That's pretty good, and I'm not the biggest Will Fuller fan. But if he's my wide receiver too, I'm feeling pretty. I'm feeling pretty damn good about my team. And you're probably loading up on those running backs early. So this is we are gonna have plenty of names to talk about. So it's perfect that we're pairing the receivers with the tight ends because we probably don't have a ton to talk about there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, and yeah, it, it, you get to that point. It's so weird once you get into like you're ranking into the 30s. It just doesn't feel right. Some of the names you're writing down, it's like, man, I'm I'm calling this guy a a low end wide receiver two, high end wide receiver three. It just doesn't seem to fit the mold. But uh, we'll get into those guys later in the show, folks. If you are not already, please be sure to subscribe to the Dynasty War Zone so that you don't miss a single episode of Kyle and I bringing you the heat as we uh, count down the days, the minutes, uh, the seconds to NFL kickoff. Uh, You'll also get to hear Memphis and Jerry every week as well on the flagship DWZ show. Kyle, how great are those guys? I love your, uh, well, you did a great job filling in for Memphis the other week. Yeah, I was lucky enough to fill in over on the war zone for Memphis last Wednesday. Jerry and I talked uh, building our perfect dynasty league. So a lot of fun settings and things that we talked about uh, through there. I kind of, the idea originated from, you know, you always see these, building the perfect quarterback and so-and-so's legs with, you know, Kirk Cousins's keen eye for, you know, his receiver or whatever, you know. So we built the perfect dynasty league. It was a ton of fun. Uh, but Memphis and Jerry bring it every single week. So you got to be tuned back in, subscribe. Uh, if you're subscribed to the Fantasy Football SmackDown feed, you're not going to see this or any show. <laughs> so uh, that has been, that feed has been retired. Uh, so the war zone only going forward, man, DWZ network. But uh, I mean, I tune in every Wednesday to the war zone as should you guys. Also, I must say the way you started off that episode, there was something so electric about it. You hit Jerry with something like you called him the man of the hour and the man with the power. I mean, was that that was that was original, right? That That's that's Memphis. That's his thing. But the problem was that I, you know, I made sure to do it because that's what, how Memphis breaks it down every week ensuring Jerry. And I was like, Damn it, Jake is going to be pissed because I can't get his intro right for shit. And here I am dropping the hammer on the war zone. <laughs> well, hey, go ahead. No pressure. You want to lay it out for the people right now? The excellence of execution. Jake, rip your heart out. Jake, rip. <laughs> How's how <was> that? <laughs> very, very good. Love it. And before I before I forget, we're also broadcasting this show live to YouTube. So, you know, if you're one of those people, if you need some visual representation to really focus on the content that we're giving you. You can come hang out with Kyle and I every single Monday night, uh, somewhere, I don't know, seven o'clock, eight o'clock. We'll be around. Kyle will shoot a tweet. I'll shoot a tweet. Uh, but we would love to have you come hang out with us on today's show. We're going to continue breaking down our first set of seasonal rankings as the NFL draft now slowly, but surely creeping up on us. So, we got to try to get a uh, get our bearings on these guys before all the moves get made. Something, you know, something to really gauge ourselves off of. Um, like you said already, Kyle, if you missed our quarterback running back rankings, go back, check out that episode. 
that was fun stuff. Let us know on Twitter uh, who had the craziest takes from that episode and let Kyle know what was so crazy about those takes of his. <laughs> Today's show, guys, is all about wide receivers and tight ends. Uh, Kyle, Kyle and I have once again combined each of our rankings just moments ago to give you our official SmackDown quote-unquote consensus rankings. Um, but before we start talking about Devontae Adams, Kyle, I'm curious if uh, you have a general approach to drafting wide receivers in seasonal leagues because I know myself, I always struggle to lock down one of those or what, you know, one of those handful of really elite wide receivers, one of these first few guys that we're going to talk about, because I typically typically go in with more of like a running back heavy strategy. I'm usually leaving the first two to three rounds with uh, running backs. So are you the same way? Yeah, generally. And I think last year, too, I think more and more people are going to lean that direction when you saw the success of the first round running backs in comparison to the pretty much the only wide receiver that was consensus round one, Michael Thomas, taking a huge dump on everybody uh, in 2020. Yes. So that's going to burn a lot of people. They're going to be sliding back towards running backs, I think. And that, and that, I just think that's the way to go. This position is so deep. I alluded to it earlier. We're going to break it down through here. Like, you know, I have I have Terry McLaurin as my wide receiver 18. If he was my wide receiver one on my fantasy team and I'm stacked at running back, I feel good about that. You know, I know last year there were a lot of guys that you could get in the middle of rounds like Brandon Cooks who hit big. Um, you know, uh, Tyler Lockett was another solid guy. Tyler Boyd was was really good mid round pick. You can really, you know, use your wide receiver two spot, especially as kind of a rotation between your best available option on a week in and week out basis. And you know, and try to feel and try to load up at the running back position early on. So, yeah, I'm generally waiting. If I if I pick a wide receiver before round three, it's probably pretty rare because I'm I'm generally doubling up on those running backs. Uh, you know, unless I really feel like that just the values disappeared quick. But, um, you know, I think there's enough running backs to to get us through probably those first two rounds um, this season in 2021. And I'm going to feel really good about the receivers that are going to be sitting there in round three, four, five. I can, I can still roll with those guys as my starter. So I feel like this position is really deep as we head into 2021. Big surprise here, folks. Devontae Adams is our consensus wide receiver one. And doesn't it kind of feel like with Devontae Adams, kind of like uh, how it was with Michael Thomas heading into last season, it was like there's pretty much no debate. If you're going to go for a wide receiver in the first round, it's Devontae Adams. Until he is dethroned, he's the unquestioned wide receiver one in fantasy football. You know, there's plenty of guys that can hit 1,300 yards in the league. There's plenty of guys that can catch 120 passes. Maybe not plenty, but there's guys that can catch 120 passes. There's one guy in the league who can do all of that and, you know, push for 20 touchdowns, and that's Devontae <laughs> Adams. If he plays a full season's worth of games, there's no way he doesn't finish his wide receiver one, right? Uh, yeah, I'm. that's where I'm putting my money. I mean, the dude's been a touchdown monster his entire career. He's been He's added the yardage, which has been phenomenal. But when you look... You know, I even got a little, I had to catch myself a little bit. Like the dude only played 14 games. He had 18 touchdowns last year. Like it, it's freaking unbelievable. Uh, he's still obviously paired with Aaron Rodgers. He's the only show in town when it comes to that receiving game. It's clear cut consensus for me across the board that Devontae Adams is, you know, the wide receiver one. And I'm fine with you taking him in the first round. He's right there with the rest of those running backs. It's just, you know, when you look at those guys in a vacuum, he's a top five fantasy, you know, talent. The only issue is, is what you have to give up when you take him, you know, your running backs are going to suffer. And I just don't feel like there's enough depth at that position. Like we talked about last week, but Adams is clear cut the wide receiver one. Unfortunately, I just won't own him on many teams, you know, for redraft this season. You and I were perfectly on the same page with our first three wide receivers. So maybe we'll call this a tier, but we started off with Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill and uh, DeAndre Hopkins. I still stand by everything I've said about Tyreek Hill up to this point. I think he's a sell in Dynasty because I think his value still really only decreases from where it stands. Um, whether that means natural regression or Kansas City maybe takes a wide receiver this year and he sees less of a target share, whatever. Uh, but right now, heading into 2020, it's hard to imagine anyone else uh, being wide receiver too. And as far as DeAndre Hopkins, man, what needs to be said? Uh, I mean, maybe I'd like to see him find the end zone a little more frequently, become a double-digit touchdown guy. Uh, and if that's the case, then he can go toe to toe with Tyreek. I think any day for wide receiver too. Yeah, and the and we'll touch on it with uh, another guy that's in our our top five here, Stefan Diggs. Like both hit Diggs and Hopkins last year. I was like, ah, I don't know, new team, you know, all that jazz. 
And that didn't work out for anyone that slept on those guys. And I know Hopkins was still a top 12 guy. Diggs was people were a little bit worried about as well, you know, with Josh Allen and his inaccuracy, which turned into accuracy somehow. Uh, but yeah, with Hopkins, man, I, I think he's just as solid as they come. Uh, he has the safest floor as far as, you know, catches and yards. When you talk about Adams and Hill, those are explosive plays. Uh, big touchdown guys. Hopkins isn't that, but he doesn't have to be in order to produce as a top five wide receiver. He just gets it done. Second in targets, tied for second in receptions, and tied for second in yards. That gives you a good base every single week. So still a stud, um, but again, just going to go in that time of the draft where you're probably looking running back. But end of round two, if Hopkins is there, he's obviously going to be a, an anchor to your wide receiver position. The next three players in our rankings are Stephon Diggs, Keenan Allen, and A.J. Brown. I know that I'm a little higher than you on Keenan Allen, but what would you call that first wide, that first, we'll call it the mega elite tier of wide receivers? Is it those first three, or are you willing to put Stephon Diggs in there too? Yeah, I have Diggs in there. Um, I do feel like Diggs is comfortably fourth for me, um, but I mentioned with Hopkins, you know, coming in first season, he was second in all of those categories. He, he trailed one man, and that man's name was Stephon Diggs. Uh, Stefan with an F and the dude had an A plus season. I mean, he was a baller first year out of, out of Buffalo. They added Emmanuel Sanders this off season. I don't care. The dude sets the, sets your baseline every single week with those yards, great number of receptions as well. So I'd probably give Diggs the edge over Hopkins in full PPR. Um, but I do feel like it's just, there is a drop off from Diggs to the next guy because I'm just not as, I don't feel as confident in those other players, even though they have just as much upside. But I think Diggs' floor has to, for me, secures him in the top five and at the at the wide receiver four slot in my rankings pretty easily. Keenan Allen is number six in our consensus rankings, and that is thanks to your boy over here ranking him at number four in my rankings. And let me yeah. try maybe make the case here. Uh, Keenan Allen averaged the second most wide receiver targets in the league last season behind just Devontae Adams and uh, at 10.5 targets per game. I mean, with Justin Herbert, the kind of volume that Keenan Allen was getting, that is the kind of stuff that you want from a wide receiver that you're taking as your wide receiver one. Um, last season, he was a lot of teams wide receiver two. He would have finished uh, first in the league had he not been on a snap count in week 15 uh, in targets per game. He also just played a 17% snap share in week five. If you remove those two games, then Keenan Allen was averaging just under 12 targets per game. So I think, you know, with that kind of volume, man, we might be able, we might be talking 2019 Michael Thomas numbers because, you know, 11.8 targets per game from Keenan Allen last season. Uh, in 2019, Michael Thomas was getting 11.6 targets per game. That ended up being 185 targets for him that year. And he, again, he was the unquestioned wide receiver one. So why can't that be Keenan Allen in 2021 uh, with Justin Herbert in his second year in the league? Yeah, in the, the, the notorious week 15 where will he play, won't he play? Oh. I believe that was a Thursday. That might have been a Thursday night game too. Like it was just so stressful dealing with that. Then he did play and he's telling beat writers, don't sit me this week. Well, that was a big F you to us apparently. But the dude was a baller. Four straight seasons of at least 135 plus targets. So this isn't new. This is his first time. He had six touchdowns in the previous three seasons apiece. Had eight touchdowns last year. That was the most since his rookie season. But I, I love it, man. I have him at eight, and I feel like if I feel – if he's my wide receiver one, I feel solid as hell about that. I have a few guys that I think have just a tick more upside than Keenan Allen, but as far as the floor goes, he is an anchor. You know, He's right there with Diggs and Hopkins for me as far as guys that are going to put up very solid numbers, very safe floor. He's just a little bit behind them because I think he's going to be hovering around that twelve to 1,300 yards rather than the fourteen to 1,500 yards that I think Diggs and Hopkins can put up. Obviously, I still got to calibrate what those numbers will be over 17 games. But um, yeah, I love I love Keenan Allen. He's paired with a phenomenal quarterback and you have you have to feel really comfortable with him as your wide receiver one this season after a lot of people doubted him last year. But yeah, I, I dig it, man. I just think the touchdown hope I'd love to see it make it even a little bit more of a jump. But uh, you can say that about any of these guys. But sure. Allen just has never been that guy. A career high is eight. So next three guys in our consensus rankings, we've got A.J. Brown. Calvin Ridley from your Atlanta Falcons and DK Metcalf. Uh, I'll get started with AJ Brown, second in the league last season in fantasy points per route run. That's awesome, right? You love that stat. The problem is I'd love to see more routes run. Just 27.8 routes run per game. That was 66 in the league among wide receivers. You know, if, if he becomes one of those guys who's running upwards 35 plus routes per game, like a DJ Moore, like a Calvin Ridley or a De DeAndre Hopkins, I think that's what finally unlocks that A.J. Brown wide receiver one overall discussion. Not this year, 
probably not next year, but it's definitely in the realm of possibility for AJ Brown. What are your quick thoughts on him heading into 2021? Yeah, the thing with Brown has just been, you know, he's in an offense that's clearly run first. It's not even close. Now they have a new offensive coordinator, so we'll see how that shifts things. They've lost a lot of talent. Uh, Johnny wasn't a target monster, but Corey Davis quietly had 92 targets of his own last year, had a very solid season as the wide receiver two there in Tennessee. I like Josh Reynolds as a deep sleeper in, in deeper leagues, and they've added that's really the only piece that they've added to that offense. So if if Brown starts seeing more targets, then you just watch the hell out. Uh, the dude only had, I believe, 106 targets last year, which is not great. Those aren't the elite numbers that's going to set that baseline, but the dude is a big play machine, finds the end zone. That's why I have him as my wide receiver seven. So I feel really good about that. My only concern is just, man, what does this offense look like without Arthur Smith? Um, and we've kind of talked about it with Tannehill. I expect a little bit of a regression there. but it, So just balancing out the, the unknown of the OC with the fact that maybe he does finally – jump into that 130, 140 target, you know, receiver that he ends up finishing around on far less looks. So I like AJ Brown a lot. He's obviously a home run hitter. Uh, you just have to live with some of those down days when he doesn't find the end zone because, because the receptions just aren't there with the over elite guys. Yeah, we have yet to see how the Arthur Smith move affects anyone on the Tennessee side. And then also guys like Calvin Ridley over in Atlanta, wide receiver for last season, 90 catches, 1,300 yards, and nine touchdowns. And that's one of the things that I really love about Calvin Ridley is that he shows up all over the stat sheet. You know, he's one of those guys, you get 90 catches from him, 1,300 yards, that's fantastic. But what separates you and puts you into that elite wide receiver one category is the fact that he finds the end zone, which he's been good at his entire career. Uh, 10 touchdowns in his rookie season. So as long as Atlanta remains a pass heavy offense, which isn't a given, you know, I, I'm, I don't know any more than anyone else about what Arthur Smith and this coaching staff wants to do. But uh, if, if they do keep those high passing volume numbers up, then I think there's plenty of volume to go around for both Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones to be uh, extremely valuable receivers for fantasy purposes. But you have Calvin Ridley as what your uh, wide receiver five, very high praise. Uh, what are your thoughts on Ridley? Yeah, and he is in that second tier for me. Uh, you know, maybe third if you put Adams all by himself. But uh, regardless, he's behind Hopkins and Diggs uh, as far as a tier break there goes. But you got to love what you saw out of the kid. He was putting up great numbers even two years ago, but just had only played 13 games. So the overall counting stats weren't exactly what you expected. But when you look at Ridley, the thing that I wanted to just double check to make sure was, hey, was this a you know, did this have to do more about Calvin Ridley taking the next step or the fact that he just got more opportunity with Julio Jones being out? When I took a look at the numbers, Ridley with Julio Jones averaged 14.8 points per game. Uh, without Julio Jones, he finished at 16.6 points per game. So about a two point per game difference. The only caveat to that being is that that game with Julio, those games included that random goose egg on that Thursday nighter against Green Bay. So if you Ooh. eliminate that, it was actually 17.2 points per game without Julio. So more points per game with uh, with Julio Jones than without. Matt Ryan led the league in pass attempts last year. So he has a little bit of room to move back and still have plenty of volume uh, for this offense. That defense is not up to the, up to par for them to be you know uh, playing ahead in games more than likely. So I think Ridley can duplicate what he did last season, even with Julio Jones healthy. I, I think that when you look at what he did last year, regardless of how you chop the numbers up, you know he finished wide receiver five. And I, and I think he can still be that wide receiver one for everybody. Thing that sucks is last year you were getting him as your wide receiver two <laughs> yeah. in a lot of places, just like Keenan Allen. People were down on these guys. So now they have to replicate that season again to just return the value that you spent on them. So I would draft I would draft uh, Ridley at the end of round two, early round three as my wide receiver one, no doubt, and, and feel really good about him and uh, what I expect to be a high-powered offense. DK Metcalf is our wide receiver nine in your SmackDown consensus rankings. And unlike AJ Brown, DK Metcalf's one of those guys that I love because he just never comes off the field. A 96.7% snap share. Uh, he averaged 5.5 receptions and 100 yards and a touchdown per game. Am I getting that right? Through the first half of the season? That seems super high. I got I, I think that's I right. I have the splits. Yeah. First eight games, Metcalf was on freaking fire. Eight games, eight touchdowns, 18.2 points per game. You guys remember Russ was just cooking, as oh. the kids say. But oh, uh, he was just slinging it on the grill. The second half was not so hot for DK Metcalf. Last eight games, 10.4 points per game. Still solid, obviously, but nowhere near the 18.2 he's putting up. He only had two touchdowns in the second half. So, 
you know, this, it's just, <laughs> DK did us a nice favor there, splitting that right down the middle uh, as far as a really productive first half of the season, but didn't show up there in the second half. Uh, before I carve out another tier here, I'm just going to take one more step in our rankings down to number 10, where we've got Justin Jefferson making making an appearance uh, on the consensus rankings. Now, he would not be this high in the rankings if it was not for Mr. Kyle August. Uh, I've got Justin Jefferson, I thought, kindly and appropriately at wide receiver 12. I thought I was being generous to the young man. But Kyle here says, no, 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 hold my beer, Jake. Wide receiver six. So, um Go ahead and defend your position real quick on Justin Jefferson, and I'll see if I can uh, retort. Yeah, the thing that's that I hate, you know, with guys like AJ Brown and even Jefferson is like these are gen- these are run first offenses, right? They don't have the six hundred plus pass attempts that you'd really like to see because that way it's like, hey man, as long as he's getting some, you know, in those offenses, you're still good. He has you have to more than less dominate, t- you know, the targets in those lower passing offenses. But I think Jefferson obviously showed us enough last season, 1400 yards on the nose uh, in his, over his 16 games only had the seven touchdowns. So I think room to go up there, but enough targets that I think those touchdowns could move up. The reason I have him ranked at six now more responsible would to be have to have him at 12 where you have him, Jake. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm ranking him though, because I think he can do even more than he did last season. I think he can still get around that 13, 1400 yard pace, but I think you could be looking at nine to 11 touchdowns for Justin Jefferson, taking some of those away from Adam Thielen, who was a touchdown monster last season. And I think they will get spread around just a bit more. So I think the upside with Jefferson is just as high as anybody. I mean, he has the upside to be in that top tier with Diggs, with Hopkins. Uh, you know, he's just got to get just a couple more touchdowns and he's right there already. So I think he has just as much upside as any of these guys. So that's why I even have him ranked ahead of AJ Brown. Uh, love the kid heading into a sophomore season. And I just think that it's not too good to be true. It's, it's good. He already showed us. Just just live with it, man. <laughs> yeah. Up, upside is undeniable when someone goes out there in their rookie season and puts up 1,400 yards. But doesn't that smell familiar? <laughs> 1,400 yards is is a 20? Don't, don't, don't be throwing that A-Rob shade uh, on poor Justin Jefferson. Come on now. <laughs> a, that wasn't even A-Rob shade. That was Juju shade. Oh, oh well. <laughs> Either way, I guess we got a couple examples of guys eclipsing that and not doing jack shit afterwards. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, you know, I I think that we should be ready for the very real possibility that Justin Jefferson doesn't hit 1,400 yards. It's very easy to say it's all uphill from here because it was his first year in the league, and you could very well be right. Um, But another another thing is, like, Adam Thielen, I I feel like... um, he doesn't really get his due last season. And you said he scored 14 touchdowns last season, but an average fantasy points per game. They, these guys were the same wide receiver, 14.5 average fantasy points per game for Thielen and 14.4 uh, for Justin Jefferson. And do the touchdowns get spread out a little more next season? Maybe sure. But maybe the yardage does too. Um, I think Thielen was somewhere just under a thousand yards, if I'm not correct. But um yeah, sounds right. He's another guy that you've got, I think, buried down in your rankings. We'll have to get to him eventually once we get to consensus. But uh, I've got him at 13. So we'd be talking about Adam Thielen right now if it was up to me. But, well, you're going to have to wait, audience. I, dude, I could. I mean, if I, I would have lost my shirt last year if somebody said, hey, what's gonna, what team is going to produce two fantasy wide receiver ones? There's no way in hell. I would have guessed 15 other teams before I got to Minnesota. They did it last year. I just don't think that occurs. But 12, 13, I, I, I see what you're doing there, but uh, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> this, so I was trying to figure out our next tier here, and it seems super obvious to me looking at our consensus rankings where I'm going to break off this tier. So it's going to start out at 11. Uh, wide receiver 11, Amari Cooper, then Kenny Galladay, Michael Thomas, Allen Robinson, and Julio Jones. And cut the tier right there. And I think you know why I did that. Do you see the trend that's happening here? It's the big body upper 20s, lower 30s, uh, elite wide receiver or elite wide receiver of elite wide receivers past. Uh, But these are guys that I think all still got juice. Is there anyone who stands out to you in particular? Again, obviously, we've got Amari Cooper uh, first on the the sheet there, but... um, Anyone else you'd like to speak to? Yeah, I, I actually have Cooper ranked at nine in my rankings. I I just this Cowboys offense is going to be just chucking it, man. I mean, it's going to be unbelievable. Uh, I you know small sample size. You don't just want to just use those all the time. But you looked at what how the Cowboys started last season. I expect that to be similar to how they try to roll the entire year. This defense is still going to be just putrid. Uh, and in those four full games with Dak Prescott to start the season, Amari Cooper had fifty one targets. 
51 in four games because Dak was throwing the ball a bajillion times. Yeah. Uh, he had he had over 80 yards in all of those games as well. I, I think Cooper is still the alpha number one. I know that he disappeared at times two years ago, and that sucks. That's why he's not a top five guy. Um, but I still think Cooper is a guy that's going to give you 12, 1,300 yards, eight, nine touchdowns in an offense. It's just going to be clicking uh, all on all cylinders all year round. So I actually have Cooper at nine, and then I have Allen Robinson at 11 because he was third in targets last year. He's playing with his best quarterback he's ever laid eyes on in his entire life, Andy Dalton. Uh, I just, for me, A-Rob just is, you know, slides behind those guys, behind Cooper because I just don't believe in that Bears offense as much. But I think, you know, Robinson's going to be right up there, top five in targets. Um, with, with Galladay and Thomas, I actually had those guys outside my top 15 because I just think there's question marks with those. The biggest one being Michael Thomas. If you told me today, Jameis Winston's the quarterback, Michael Thomas jumps right back into my top 10, probably. I think he is that talented. But my God, I don't even think the great Michael Thomas can overcome Taysom Hill. Uh, and that that question mark for me, I have to ride that fence and put it in and keep him outside my top 12. So this is a great group. There's a lot of upside here. We've seen these guys in their heyday put up big numbers, but they're hard to rank. They're hard to rank, especially right now. Yeah, it feels so weird putting Michael Thomas so far down in the rankings because the last time that we saw a full season of him healthy, he was the unquestioned wide receiver one. But again, that was also with Drew Brees slinging it. So, And tell me this. Do you think that there's a possibility? Because if I was going to put money on how the Saints quarterback situation shakes out, I think that they say Jameis as their starter. I think Jameis takes the first snap on day one. But I think we see a lot of Taysom Hill. And that is what concerns me. You know, you don't want to see the Camara killer out there. That's all <laughs> I got to say. I, I think you're right. And I think that... The biggest and hopefully what that means is just you don't know who to play at QB, you know, in your fantasy league. Like if you're counting on Winston or Hill and Superflex, is that hopefully that all that means is just like, hey, you really can't play either with confidence. But hopefully that gives enough reps to Jameis that that uh Thomas can still be, you know, a top a top end wide receiver. I mean, he is the guy in that I mean, receiving game. So if Taysom Hill ends up like taking a quarter of the snaps, I don't know how realistic that is, but what does that do to Michael Thomas in your rankings then? If it is like some sort of weird time split, cause you're still getting the, the sweet arm of Jameis Winston with those sweet eyes that now work. Uh, but you're also getting Taysom Hill out there. Who's probably going to run some kind of stupid uh, quarterback <laughs> sneak play of some sort. Uh, you you yeah. know, his game. What do you, what do you think? I, I, like right now I have Thomas at 16. I would probably bump him up a few spots if I knew Jameis Winston was getting 75%. Now I, I don't know what the snap percentage was when breeze was the QB. Um, you know, if it was somewhere around where Taysom Hill was getting five to 7% and now he jumps to, you know, 12 to 15, then, you know, I think that'd be reasonable, but if it's 25%, that wouldn't be enough for me to just slam dunk Thomas back into my top 10, but I'd, I'd feel a lot better than 16. I think I would, you know, be okay with him as my wide receiver one, but I would, I wouldn't feel as confident as old days of Michael Thomas. That is for sure. Well, why don't you tell me what you're scared of with Kenny Galladay? Because you, <laughs> you got him ranked, you got him ranked as wide receiver 17, and I had to do him a do him a service and get him into that top 12 again and rank him as my uh, wide receiver nine. I just feel like if if he is the guy in that offense and he's going to be the guy in that offense, how can he not? Uh, end up putting up wide receiver one numbers, let alone wide receiver 17 numbers. We we saw, and the last time we saw a full season from Kenny Galladay, he was a top five, right at number, wide receiver five uh, in 2019. The thing was, when you look at his 2019 numbers, even in comparison to uh, one Kenny Galladay one year prior to, the numbers were pretty similar. He actually had five more receptions. The yardage was a little bit further down, but he only had five touchdowns instead of 11. And that put him as wide receiver 21. So when you're talking about a Giants offense that I'm pumped for Daniel Jones where you can get him right now, I think, for fantasy. If he's extreme, if he's, you know, drafted outside the top 10, you can get him super late. I like that value. But are we going to pretend like Daniel Jones didn't just, what did, what did he throw last year? 11 touchdowns? I mean, it, it wasn't great. So I think when you're talking about Galladay, he's a guy that even in his best years, he's hovered right around that 1,100 yards. So it can still make him a wide receiver one, but I like him more as a low, more of a mid wide receiver too, just because if those touchdowns come up six or seven, you know, I, I just don't think he's going to produce at a top 12 wide receiver clip. 
Uh, he needs to be a little bit higher than that. He can't rely on 1,400 yards like the Diggs and Hopkins and Jefferson of last year. So that's the only thing I'm concerned of is I do think he can be the guy. It's just I hope that the guy actually means, you know, 1,300 yards and, you know, and 10 touchdowns, not 1,106 because then you're you're disappointed. Allen Robinson comes in at wide receiver 14 in our rankings, followed by Julio touchdown Jones at wide receiver 15. Now, I am really starting to get the vibe that Julio Jones might end up being a steal this uh, this summer. Because for some reason, I think that Julio Jones is starting to like, he started to carry around this injury-prone narrative. You know, before last season, he'd only missed four games over the past six seasons. You know, I understand that it's scary to go all in and invest in a 32-year-old wide receiver who's coming off of a season where he only played nine or ten games uh, but let's not forget what this guy can do when he's healthy. I mean, uh, he, you know, 100 receptions and 1,400 yards as a 30 year old in 2019. I think if we get a full season or close to it out of Julio Jones, he can smash whatever ADP he ends up coming in at. Cause I feel like we're actually going to end up being higher, uh, than consensus at wide receiver 15. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. And I think part of it too is like, if we, if you love Calvin Ridley, you don't really want to be like, ah, Julio Jones too, but you totally can. There's enough to go around with both of these guys. Julio had some really nice games despite, you know, when he was actually out there. He had three games, I believe, over 135 yards. I mean, the dude is a yardage machine. He'll continue to be because I think there's going to be a plenty to go around in this offense. So I think you're right. I think Julio's probably going to be ADP. I wouldn't be surprised to see it shake out closer to 18 to 20, 22 maybe in there just because people are afraid of the injury. The thing is, I don't think you can play that way. Don't play scared, you know, because if you when he's out there, he's going to be a top 12 wide receiver. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, and if he gets injured or misses time, that's future use problem. Deal with it. You're a good enough fancy player. You can put depth on your roster to overcome that injury. But that way you have a guy that's uber elite. You don't want to just go like I love Robert Woods, but there's no way in hell I'm taking Robert Woods over Julio Jones they're they are not close when they are on the field so you just have to bake that in so for me to rank him at 15 I feel like he might even go a spot or two higher um I have him right behind like Chris Godwin you know I I think there's enough up I think Godwin's a guy that when he's out there can you know be average wide receiver 12 right he's I think he'd be solid but when Julio's out there he could be a top 10 wide receiver you know so um it it's just your risk for your your uh your appetite for risk i guess when you're drafting a guy like Julio jones but i'm with you man like I, I think you just have to you know look at last year as more of a fluke and and uh and count on him for 14 15 games yeah julio's the guy in this range of wide receivers who he's got that x factor where any given day you can get 150 and two touchdowns from him and no one's shocked and then the next game you can get three catches for 30 yards, which I feel like that's not so much the case with Calvin Ridley, which is why he's so much higher in the rankings. He's so much more consistent. He finds the end zone. Uh, but man, Julio Jones has still got it. Let's not let's not make this difficult, people. Julio Jones, wide receiver 15 all day. Moving on, the next uh four guys we got in our wide receiver rankings. DJ Moore at wide receiver 16, Chris Godwin, C D Lamb, and Mike. Oh, you know, I got one more. How about Mike Evans? And then we'll, we'll even mention Adam Thielen, who barely squeaks into the top 20 because Kyle hates Adam. Thielen. <laughs> we'll start with DJ Moore. You know, since we're talking about steals in the draft, I think he's a guy who's going to end up being a steal. I wouldn't have said that if you brought that up to me a month ago, because uh, it felt like the fantasy community was starting to really pick up on the, the DJ Moore vibes. But this Sam Darnold move, I feel like just doesn't move the needle for a ton of people. I remain optimistic. I still think it's an upgrade over Teddy Bridgewater, but I think a lot of people see Sam Darnold coming into Carolina and it's like, eh, you know, it's either it's, it's either a lateral move or even a step back. Darnold sucks. Man, DJ Moore, just under 1,200 yards for two straight seasons, 18 yards per reception in that Joe Brady offense. Um, I'm willing to take a shot on that, especially when we get down to this point. Uh, a wide receiver 16. It's it's almost nothing but upside with a guy like DJ Moore. Yeah, I just poo-pooed Kenny Galladay for like only being 1,100 yards, but then I flip it around and I'm like, you know what? DJ Moore is coming off back-to-back 1,100-yard seasons. They should probably be a little bit closer, I think, because you, you're talking about the uh, touchdown upside with with Kenny Galladay just based off of how you know his game. For Moore, you know, Curtis Samuel leaving town, does that open up a little bit more for him? Uh, you would hope so. You know, he's a first round talent. We've kind of been waiting and waiting and waiting. But after three seasons, 
10 touchdowns in 46 career games. That's not good enough. You know, that's not that that's not top 10 wide receiver. Unfortunately, he's gonna have to make that step. Hopefully, he's playing with a uh, quarterback that they're gonna let you know sling the ball just a little bit. You know, Teddy's game is to be more conservative, play closer to the line of scrimmage. Um, so, so for me, DJ Moore is somebody that I feel pr- really good about still. If I get him as my wide receiver too, I'm a little bit more hesitant than I was last year when I was I was taking him in round four. And I was like, that's my wide receiver one, you know, book it. Like, I don't care. I I could have, I took tight end early to running backs and my, in round four, DJ Moore. Like I had him everywhere, but I just, I, at this point, I'm like, man, I don't know. Those touchdowns need to show up in a big way. And like, it's not like Keenan Allen where he's like, oh, he's round six or whatever. So it, it's a good season. Four is not, not good enough. You need, he needs to be at six or more in order to return this value. So I, I like him. I'm going to target him in a lot of places. I hope people look at those touchdown numbers and feel like that this is what he is. But I'm just I'm I'm not as optimistic as I was last year. I guess on on my on my good friend DJ Moore. Every time you kept saying the word more while you were talking about more, like the more touchdowns he needed, I was wishing I had a, a, a rim shot button over here. But I would just be abusing <laughs> that thing through our full show. So I'm sure the audience doesn't mind the fact that uh, all I got is this. <laughs> I'm just trying to will it into existence. Like, for God's sakes, get this guy some touchdowns, and then you know everyone will be happy again. <laughs> what do you say, for God's sakes? Well, we've got Chris Godwin, guys, at wide receiver 17. But I don't even want to talk about Chris Godwin because coming right after him at wide receiver 18, we've got my man, C.D. Lamb, the guy that I've been screaming about from the mountaintop since January, for dynasty purposes anyways. And then sure enough, Kyle blows me away in the redraft rankings. Uh, C.D. Lamb, he's a, he's a wide receiver one this year. Wide receiver 12 for Kyle, and I've got him at wide receiver 20. So you're not seeing a, a huge difference as far as production then between um, C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper for 2021? No, and and I was surprised. I'm like, dude, this is supposed to be the wide receiver one in two years for Dynasty or eight, yeah, right now. Right. You got him right now as your wide receiver one for dynasty. That means he's going to step up in a big way this year. You look at his rookie season, CD lamb, 111 targets, 74 receptions, 935 yards, five touchdowns. That was with a bunch of jamokes out there at QB after week five. I mean, Andy when you look at CD lamb, I think this kid's extremely talented. He's in an offense that I think Dak Prescott's going to lead the league in pass attempts. Like, and it's not going to be, it's not even going to be close in my opinion. Like this guy's going to be throwing the ball so damn much. There's going to be plenty to go around. If there's a team that can produce two top 12 wide receivers, I would put my money all day on the Dallas Cowboys doing that. So I think that Cooper is going to be a little bit more steady. I think glam is just a little bit more explosive. He's a guy that is, is going to be putting up those numbers, maybe in a different way, but as far as the fantasy points go total up pretty close. So I have Cooper at nine and lamb at 12, but I, I feel really good at, at with CD lamb as my wide receiver one in fantasy. And right now, from ADP, he's closer to where you have him at 20. So, you know, I, I just think, Jake, I mean, what's what's the deal, man? Wide receiver 20, that doesn't seem high enough, man. This is a breakout year right here. Well, look, I didn't want to ruin my credibility by making CD Lamb my wide receiver one in seasonal just yet, but you know I'm thinking it. I'm, I'm already expecting him to overtake Amari this year. Trust me, there's plenty of days left until the start of the season. He's going to move up those rankings. I'm just glad that uh, your wide receiver 12 ranking was enough to bump him up a little bit in our consensus. That still only makes him wide receiver 18, huh? I don't, I don't do math so well. I don't. <laughs> hey, like, dude, I, I just think when you're, when you're looking at CD lamb, he's going to be similar as far as the draft day value. When you look at where Calvin Ridley was last year, Keenan Allen, um, you know, DJ Moore, like those guys were round four, round five in some places. Like, you know, yeah, you probably got to take him in round three if you want him, And it's not a reach. Uh, but I'm yeah. totally fine with that. Like you gotta, you gotta go and and get your guy. So I'm, I'm taking, I'm drafting CD Lamb comfortably as my wide receiver one. And there's just a ton of upside there, in my opinion, based off volume. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And those guys you named, like they're they're league league winners for last year. Calvin Ridley, Keenan Allen. You got those guys because you know you didn't have to spend first, second round, or even third round draft capital on on those guys. But uh, yeah, man, love it, love it for CD Lamb. Let's. Go on to the next guy here, Mike Evans. I mentioned Chris Godwin a second ago. Um, are, are you, is this, you know, we haven't just separated on our consensus by only CD Lamb. Is it that close for you? Is it like flip a coin or 
Um, is it Chris Godwin by a mile? I, I like Godwin more just because I think he's just less reliant on the touchdowns. Evans, seven straight 1,000 yard seasons. That's awesome, right? 13 touchdowns last year. Obviously big, but we talked about it with Tom Brady. I mean, he definitely ate up on on pretty poor competition. I expect those touchdowns to come down from 40 just to skosh. And if the touchdowns disappear, Mike Evans, now we're in trouble. Mike Evans had seven games with three or less catches. That's not great. That's not a guy that I'm extremely confident with, even as my wide receiver two, right? Like he can be my wide receiver two, but I don't feel pumped about it. Godwin is a guy who missed a little bit of time last year. So his counting stats aren't necessarily right there, but his points per game, 13.2 points per game and half PPR. That was tied for wide receiver 15 with Allen Robinson. So, I mean, when he's out there, he was putting up A-Rob numbers. So I have I have Godwin at 14. I have Mike Evans at 19. Um, you know, if I was drafting Godwin, I feel like, hey, I got a borderline wide receiver one. If I'm drafting Mike Evans, I'm like, I got a wide receiver two. That's going to be a little bit boom bust. But you can live with that as your wide receiver two. Uh, Adam Thielen at wide receiver 20. We'll just leave it at that. We don't, want to, we don't want to make Kyle throw up on live air. <laughs> wide receiver 21, Terry F1 McLaurin. Wide receiver 22, Robert Woods. 23, T Higgins. 24, Deontay Johnson. And 25, Cooper Cup. Uh, I want to talk about Robert Woods first because I feel like, I felt like anyways that I was too low on Robert Woods, but we're kind of right in the same ballpark on him. Uh, 130-ish targets each of the past three seasons. Uh, his yards per reception was down a little bit la- last year, but uh, with Matthew Stafford now in Los Angeles, it's hard to imagine him not hitting you know, 1,100 yards, getting a handful of touchdowns. Um, and then uh, Cooper Cup is a guy who, did, if I'm not mistaken, yes, you had him buried on your list down to uh, wide receiver 30. No, that's you, my friend. I got a Cooper Cup at number 20. You got him buried at 30. I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> Yikes. What's Yikes. that about? Yikes. I, I guess I got to uh, backpedal here. No, uh, I, I don't know. I can't explain myself. I got to get Cooper Cup higher up there. The one thing that scares me is it seemed like, you know, Cooper Cup was that uh, elite end zone guy. He had that season with the 10 touchdowns. We were all kind of expecting a little bit of regression last season. And then it regressed down to like three touchdowns and, that's that's not going to get it done. Um, you know, perhaps I should be higher on Cooper Cup just because of the upgrade at quarterback. He was wide receiver twenty four, I believe, last season. So uh, yeah, wide receiver thirty seems a little rough on Cooper. He Cup had one less game than Robert Woods, and he had five less catches. He had two more targets, and he had thirty eight more yards than Robert Woods. Now Woods had six touchdowns to Cooper Cup's three, and Woods had two rushing touchdowns, which I was actually surprised. When I was like, okay, well, you can just scratch all those rush that rushing production off. Like that's BS. But they do run Robert Woods actually quite a bit, even at 17 attempts in 2019. So there's a few extra points for you. But I think both these guys are going to be solid wide receiver twos. I think Cup does have that touchdown upside still. Hopefully Stafford looks Cup's way in the red zone as much as Jared Goff did. But I think this offense takes that step forward as far as the passing game goes with Matthew Stafford. And I'd feel really comfortable with either of those guys, my wide receiver two. Um, and I think they do both have solid enough upside, you know, to creep into top, you know, 15 range. You think that offense starts to lean on the pass a little bit more? They're, they're bringing in Brandon Staley. He's got the defensive background, so we really don't know what to expect from him. But I think maybe just on the, you know, since they went, they made the move to go out there and get Matthew Stafford, which makes me believe that. Uh, they intend on using him and they're not just going to use him to hand the ball off to Cam Akers. Yeah, I think the thing, I think it'll be somewhere kind of in between what we saw the last few seasons. When you look at, well, I guess it was three years ago now when Goff was actually clicking, right? Is that Woods and Cup, I believe were both right right towards the end, but both wide receiver ones. Um, I think that defense is so strong. They don't need to be putting up the huge big time numbers in the past game that can continue to lead on that run game. But I think they're just going to be more efficient with it hopefully much more efficient for all of our sakes. Um, so I, I do think that, you know, Stafford's going to be uh, a much better version of, of a quarterback in this offense. Always the last two seasons from Jared Goff, which pains me to say, because I own Jared Goff everywhere because I loved him last season. Um, but I think what that turns into is, you know, wide receiver twos for both of these guys rather than low end wide receiver ones. We've got Deontay Johnson as wide receiver 24 in our consensus rankings. I'm about five spots higher than you on him. So let's just knock out a few receivers here on one go here and just talk about the whole Steeler situation. We have Juju at wide receiver 30 and then Chase Claypool at wide receiver 34. Now, in my own personal rankings, I do have, uh, I believe, Chase Claypool just sitting one spot above Juju. So 
uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Juju is your, your number one stealer, correct? And he's my number three stealer? Yes, dude. Th- this, I mean, if, if coins could have three sides, I would, I would, be, I would buy that because I don't freaking know. I mean, I wish I could tell you, like, Deontay Johnson gets all the targets. You know, Claypool is obviously was a touch is a touchdown threat, and Juju's kind of somewhere in between. Like, his yardage is good enough. You still find the end zone quite a bit last season, and they still brought him back. I was hoping that it would just clear the situation up. Him, he could go somewhere else, stri- you know, put up fancy numbers in a different lo- on a different team. But he just came back to Pittsburgh, had to do it, and cloud this whole situation. I don't feel really great about any of them, to be honest, as, like, the clear-cut guy to own. I just feel like they can all be usable. I would love them as my flex, but that's where I would rather have them. <laughs> wide receiver 26, we've got Brandon Ayuk, followed by Cortland Sutton at 27, Brandon Cooks at 28, Tyler Lockett at 29, and then there's Juju at wide receiver 30. Uh, I'm, I'm starting to feel more and more optimistic about Cortland Sutton's situation. I keep being more and more convinced that Denver is going to get a quarterback at nine overall. You know, Carolina now seems unlikely to take a quarterback at eight since they went out and got Darnold. I still don't really anticipate Atlanta taking a quarterback. So if that's the case, then that leaves like three teams that really need a quarterback and the Detroit Lions that pick before Denver. So, you know, if that's the case, then it looks like good things for Cortland Sutton. Or is, there, is your ranking based on the assumption that Drew Locke starts? Right now, it's, yeah, I'm kind of riding that fence on Drew Locke being the quarterback. I, I think that if they, if yeah, if if they draft a quarterback in round one, uh, Sutton's definitely going to jump, uh, you know, a handful of spots easily just because I don't know if you get much worse than Drew Locke. So, um, you know, that Denver offense, I was actually surprised to see how many targets, especially like Jerry Judy had last year. There's plenty of weapons there across the board. This is a great situation for any young quarterback to go into. Like, I will I will guarantee you, whoever Denver drafts, if if the Lions decide they're going to draft somebody, like, I don't care, Dynasty, whatever, I'm going with the Denver quarterback because his weapons are unbelievable. They have no excuse. Drew Locke has no excuse. They did everything that they could for this man. They even got him a, his his former best friend tight end with an unpronounceable name, and the dude still couldn't put up numbers. So oh, you uh, you mean you mean Albert Okawakabum? Yes, exactly him. The stud. I don't know how the hell he fell, fell at round three. I mean, teams were probably just afraid of misspelling that on the card. But yeah, you didn't want to say it on the podium. <laughs> yes. No doubt. I I was disappointed that it was it could have been like if I was a team and they have those like uh like celebrity people that announce all the picks like in the later rounds. I've been like, oh, I'm pigeonholing this one for you. Yes, OB. Like, good luck. Um, but uh anyway, Sutton for me, 29 at, at wide receiver. It's kind of just riding the fence right now. If Drew Locks the QB, I might even drop him down a couple more spots. If they add somebody, he might go up a few. Um, like I have like the Steelers guys at 25 and 26. If they add a, a wider, if they add a, a quarterback in Denver, he's probably going to jump to just outside the top 24 for me. Rounding off your wide receiver threes, wide receiver 31, Odell Beckham Jr. You remember that guy, wide receiver 32, Will Fuller, then DJ Chark, Chase Claypool, Debo Samuel, and Tyler Boyd. Let's just rip the bandaid off then and go right for Odell Beckham, the former wide receiver one. I have him ranked as more of like a low-end wide receiver two, whereas you're bearing him all the way down to low-end wide receiver three. It, what is it? Is it Baker? Because it's not the target competition in Cleveland. This is just a shitty situation, in my opinion. Like, I I don't want any part of Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, that when was he good? When was the last when the, was the last time he was good? When he was in New York getting 10 plus targets a game. That has not happened while being in Cleveland. Over, I believe he what has seven touchdowns as a Brown. For me, I, I just think those those days as treating him that he has that much upside have, have gone away. This is an offense that I do think that Jarvis Landry, when you actually look at once he got healthy last year, he is still a viable wide receiver. Uh, you know, in that offense, competing for targets. Um, and you know, you just gotta <laughs> you gotta deal with the Beckham injuries. To be honest, like I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go out there and say he's injury prone, but I'm gonna say he gets injured a lot, and I don't want that. That guy just doesn't have the upside, in my opinion, over some of these other guys I've ranked ahead of him. Um, which I actually, without knowing this uh, unintentionally, I actually ranked Jarvis one spot ahead of Odell Beckham Jr. So Ooh. I guess you can tell me why I'm wrong there. <laughs> wow, you know, I would have thought for sure that would be unintentional, but I mean. To each their own. If they're both on the board, I, I got to believe I'm going with Odell Beckham just on pure upside alone. Because I think in a best case scenario, he finds himself in that tier we were talking about earlier with the um, 
the Allen Robinsons, the Julio Jones, the uh, Mike Evans, just the the older. You know, I mean, that's 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 starting to become what OBJ is. So, I mean, he's got to kick into another gear to do that. He might need to catch a few more balls to make it happen. Baker might need to be a little bit better to make that happen. But I'm not giving up hope quite yet on Odell Beckham. Yeah, I think he's going to be a guy that I need to dive a little bit more into. We probably are, should discuss at length, I think, this offseason because I, he's polarizing because he's a guy that was an absolute stud at points in his career. He struggled over the last few years with injuries and just the production not being there in an offense that is has been uh, a little light on the past attempts and was last year especially. So can OBJ return to a wide receiver one form while competing with Jarvis Landry, but, but more importantly with that backfield, which is obviously stellar, um, there in Cleveland uh, and a defense that I think is going to be pretty good. Um, so do they need to be putting up those big time numbers? Stefanski has led pass or run first offenses the last two seasons. I think that continues in 2021. So this show has schedule wise gone perfect in my opinion, exactly how I would want it to go about 50 minutes of wide receiver talk, leaving us a nice solid nine minutes and 30 seconds of tight end talk. Unless there's anyone on this uh, wide receiver list that we didn't touch on that you want to hit real quick. Uh, no, man, I, I think we had, there's, there's still a lot of good names. Um, we don't need to dive into them, but like we had, we guys, we have not mentioned, I mentioned, I talked earlier about how deep this position is Robbie Anderson, Michael Pittman jr. I still really like Jarvis Landry. I'm high on T Y Hilton back in Indy this year, Michael Gallup in an offense is going to throw the ball 5 billion times. Jerry Judy. Oh, if they add the, if they add a quarterback there, there are tons of names we haven't talked about the Jacksonville wide receivers outside of Chark. I really like as well. There are just a lot of names here. I'll, I'll just build up. Um, strength and numbers at the wide receiver position and and feel really good about rotating those guys in and out. Yeah, I love the idea of just hammering wide receivers in those late rounds of the draft because a guy like uh, Michael Gallup, I think people forget like he was a baller when it was just him and Amari Cooper. I mean, he was yeah. kicking ass. And I think he can continue doing that with, with just this insane pass volume that you're going to get out of the Dallas offense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we didn't even bring up Antonio Brown. Like, you know, it, yeah. it's going gonna, it's gonna to sound silly, but, uh, you know, and it took him, he never really got his bearings as a Buccaneer, but it's worth noting that there was only one game where he saw a snap share higher than 80%. And in that game, he caught 11 passes for 138 <laughs> yards and two touchdowns. So, well, as someone who really likes Chris Godwin, I hope Antonio Brown doesn't go back to Tampa, but the way that they're just bringing everybody back, they're like, let's just replay this. I mean, geez, they run it back, run it yeah, back. I mean, yeah, they're, they're going to, they might just quarantine. They might just stay in quarantine forever. They might never get back to real life. They might be like, no, this is fine. 2020 was good. All right. Getting into the tight ends here. Uh, tier one is Travis Kelsey. And that would be the end of that. Tier. <laughs> so that, or, you know what? Maybe I stand corrected. Would you put George Kittle in the same tier as Travis Kelsey? Uh, or is there a clear line after Kelsey's off? I thought I lost you there for a second. I thought we cut out. There's probably a lot of people checking their volume. That was probably way too long of a pause. Uh, I would no, you did it right. Kelsey is by himself. I love Kittle, I really do, but I don't think there's any reason to mess around with the fact that Kelsey is just far and away the best. He had the same amount of targets as Darren Waller. Waller had a couple more receptions, but the yards per reception is just insanely different. Um, Kelsey was so far and away better than every other tight end. He deserves to be in that tier by himself. I think the only I think the only really point of uh, interest with Kelsey is just where would you rank him if he was a tight end? Like, would you is him is he in the tier with Devontae Adams or is he behind that Adams Hill Hopkins tier for you? Like, where would you put Travis Kelsey? Do you you mean it in the sense of if I'm in a live draft and those receivers go off the board, when am I willing to take Travis Kelsey? Yeah, or or would you take him ahead of those guys? Like, if you're sitting there, the running backs have dried up, and you're looking at a pass catcher. Are you going with those receivers? Or are you going? Or are you going Kelsey? You know what? I'm gonna say, uh, yeah. After those first, I'll say three to four guys. You know, we talked about the Adams, Hill, Hopkins, Diggs. After that, I'm gonna give Kelsey a real hard look. Uh, just that that positional advantage you get at tight end, and knowing that I'm gonna go in and I'm gonna be hammering all these fourth and fifth round wide receivers, anyways. And probably hit on a guy that can be a wide receiver one, one of those, you know, Calvin Ridley's or Keenan Allen's of last year. I'm willing to take that chance in order to fill my tight end spot with a guy that's going to put up what was his average fantasy points per game? Something stupid, 15. Yeah, I uh, I had it in front of me earlier, and I don't think I have it anymore. But yeah, he was it's he was important. far. It was insane. It was insane. He I had him at uh, 
Ah, damn it. Yep. I don't have it anymore. Anyway, I, I would put Kelsey. He is my, he is my number one non-running back. Like I think he is just as good as Devonte Adams and Tyree kill. And he is, gives you that position advantage. Like you said. So for me, I, I still got to figure out how many running backs I would take ahead of him, but Kelsey's a first rounder for me next year. Like the, there's no comparison to what you can get at wide. When you look at wide receiver in round six, seven, eight, and the tight ends that you'd have to pick there, like, it's just not even close. So I think Kelsey is far and away the guy at this at the tight end position. And for me, he would be my my number one if you combine these two um, positions that we're talking about today. Yeah, I think Kelsey's far and away the number one. I think George Kittle's far and away the number two. And I think Darren Waller's far and away the number three. I think those three are so etched in stone that there's almost nothing they, that could happen to change their value. I mean, if the you know, it sounds weird to say this because it was replaying the narrative, but if the Raiders went out there and they added a receiver of consequence, does that do anything to your Darren Waller ranking? Where are they going to put them? I mean, where where are they going to put these receivers? How many bodies can you have in this freaking place? Like they, oh, added they, just, just of, they just got rid of Aguilar, right? They, they signed John Brown. I mean, <laughs> like, where the hell are all these guys well, hey, going? Well, let me rephrase the question. Does the addition of John Brown lower Darren Waller in your rankings? No, like he... For me, I put Kittle and Waller in the same tier. And if yeah. if if Waller's a half a round or a round cheaper, then I'm I'm gonna have a ton of Darren Waller next year. And that if I don't get one of those top three guys, and I and we got plenty of time to figure this out, I'm sure we'll do some mock drafts even on this show where we can kind of get a feel for where you get where you have to take those those tight ends. But if you miss on one of these three guys, see you later. I I will I will catch up with you in round twelve tight end position because there is no way. In hell, I'm taking re- uh, any of these other tight ends in round four or five or six. There, there's no chance because even if they put up the numbers that you would hope the, their best case scenario, they will not return that value. Uh, it, it's just too much of a difference and not enough of a difference when you're talking about the guys that you take there in those middle rounds versus the guys that you can t- you know, catch in round in the double digits. Next three guys we got in our rankings, tight end five. <laughs> As I just shit all over them. Let's talk about these guys. <laughs> Wait, who did who who I shit on? <laughs> I did. I'm like, hey, I don't want these guys. I'll never draft any of these guys. Nah. Well, listen, I was just, I, that's how I was with Darren Waller last year. I was like, <laughs> listen, I am hands off this guy. You don't want to know what Henry Ruggs is going to do to this man's target share. I want no piece of it. And then, yeah, you all, you all know that backfired in my face. Anyways, tight end five. Mark Andrews, tight end six, TJ Hawkinson. You and I both had them just flip-flopped in our individual rankings. Uh, tight end seven in our consensus rankings is Dallas Goddard. Now, I have him as my tight end six, and you have him as your tight end 11. Now, is that just a total... Um, no faith in Jalen Hurts. Is that under the assumption that they add someone else? You're shaking your head like it's Jalen Hurts. <laughs> yeah, I no no dice for me. Goddard, it, if Wentz was there and Hurts was out, right, and Hurts was out of town, then Goddard's a top five tight end. I mean, he's been that when he's got an opportunity. But I just don't. I don't know if I trust Jalen Hurts enough to be that confident in Dallas Goddard. I and I don't have to be, you know, from Jalen Hurts's fantasy value because you know he's going to run the ball. Um, you know, so I, I think Goddard's fine. He's still a starter for me. He's in that tier pretty much like for me, it's from six to, oh God, I don't know, 16. <laughs> like I, so like the, there's just no, re- no reason for me to take Dallas Goddard. So I have him kind of right in the middle. I, I think his upside is just a little bit capped compared to some of the other guys I have ranked ahead of him. You know, it is, I laugh so hard when you said that, but it's so true. And actually, I think it's, I, I would say seven because I like Mark Andrews and I like TJ Hawkinson. I think Hawkinson's going to, I think he thrives a little more now in Detroit. I mean, their head coach has a tight end coach background. Uh, they've got no wide receivers to throw to in that offense. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm optimistic about him. I like Mark Andrews after that, man. And, you know, because Dallas Goddard is a big question mark. And then in our consensus rankings, it goes Irv Smith, Mike Gesicki, Noah Fant. Evan Ingram, Gerald Everett, Logan Thomas, Robert Tanyan. I can't plant the flag on one of those players because they can finish anywhere in that, I don't know what you want to call that tight end tier, that 7 through 16 that is very, <laughs> what, like a difference of one average fantasy point per game. I, I feel like all of these guys are just like, it's like all the, these guys are a very bad eighth round pick or a yeah, round pick. Yeah, I mean, some of these guys are going to go in round seven or eight or maybe even a little bit earlier, and I just don't – I like, if I had to plant my flag on one of these – I dude, I really like Irv Smith. 
Um, but he's probably still going to be drafted too high. Like I like Mike Gesicki yeah. a lot. You know, he'd probably be the guy. If I had to pick one, it'd probably be Gesicki. Real, uh, part- real quick on Irv Smith. He picked up a bunch of hype when uh, they unloaded Kyle Rudolph to the Giants. Um, but I was looking at their their uh, tight end stats, the Minnesota tight end stats from last season, and they split targets right down the middle. Kyle Rudolph, 48 targets, and Irv Smith, 47. So, I mean, let's just assume that Irv Smith takes on all of the tight end receiving work in 2021, <laughs> even though we know that's not how it works. Yeah. You know, and how excited are you about 80 targets? I, I mean, that's that's uh, that's Jimmy Graham-type volume. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, so, it's although he might be this uber elite level talent, super young, full of potential guy. It's, it feels like his ceiling is just capped in Minnesota. I don't know. Or maybe it's maybe it's his youth at the position. It's just hard to get excited about anyone you got ranked as tight end eight. Well, and it's a guy that we've been waiting and waiting and waiting for. So it just yeah. adds to the to the story. I got to dig in. I got to see. I got to dig into it further. I just looked at just snap percentage. And even with Rudolph out. Irv wasn't on the field as much as you would hope for. So like he needs to be on the field full time. You know, if they don't trust him as a blocker, that's a problem because this team loves to run the ball. So they're not going to sacrifice that by putting Irv Smith out there on only obvious passing situations. So, you know, that would be the difference for me as far as him being a top five, you know, top five tight end or just being another run of the bill guy. Like I'll still pick him up late and I'll plug him in there and we'll see how it rolls. But you know, it, it's just it's really tough to trust him because of that. So and 80 targets isn't enough for me to go an extra round or two early on him to make sure he's on my team. Like at that point, I'll just sit around and wait who's left over. And it just sucks. I hate copping out and just being like, all these guys suck. Don't don't draft any of them. But honestly, like there's nothing yet that's jumped out for me to really say, like, you got the top three, you got Andrews and Hogginson, like you said, Jake. And then it's like teardrop. And then it's like you just you just gotta wait and and see what happens. And you have a couple of guys like Thomas and Tanyan, Logan Thomas and Robert Tanyan that had great years last year. Um, but some numbers that appear a little bit fluky, right? So can you trust them? Like it's just, uh, there's just, like you said, one or two points difference, maybe one point per game difference between all these guys at the end of the day. I was going to recommend we wrap up this episode, but then I went scrolling down our tight end rankings and I noticed that we were way off on two players, like way, 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 way off. Um, and we both have them back to back. So I have Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith back to back at seven and eight in my rankings. And you have Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith back to back at 18 and 19, <laughs> like a huge drop off. Um, I, I guess you, you could pretty much guess my standpoint on this. I'm banking on they're building this offense to be a tight, you know, a tight end offense, basically. I mean, can you name two receivers that aren't Nelson Aguilar in that offense? Jacoby yes. Myers barely counts. He's a quarterback. <laughs> Come on. I love Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers barely counts. I mean, they they have no options to throw to in that offense. And it just seems to me like they're just building it to be that guy. Like, these are going to be their guys. Uh, we already know what they are from a talent perspective. I love Hunter Henry as a, as a you know, as a tight end, as a pass-catching tight end. And I love Johnny Smith the same. Um, I just, I don't think we should just be, you know, th- throwing these guys in the graveyard because now they're playing on the same team. Uh, especially since they're arguably the best two receiving options. I wouldn't even say arguably. I think they are the best two receiving options in that offense. Uh, so what is it? Because, listen, you know I don't like Cam either. So if you're <laughs> going to run that narrative past me, then you might as well save your breath. But what is it? Why, why are they buried so low in the rankings? When you're talking about tight ends outside of that top tier or two, is that when you play them on a week-in, week-out basis, it's you almost have to just hope for a touchdown. Yeah. And when you're talking about these now two guys that are extremely talented it it's tough to find a touchdown for a tight end anyway and now you're telling me that i gotta share it i gotta share with hunter henry or i gotta share with johnny smith depending on what guy i own like if those if these two guys would have been on separate teams they would have both been top 10 options but i think being on the same team i think it just caps their upside overall the end of the year numbers might be there when you look at it but the how confident you are to plug them in on a week in and week out basis is, is just difficult to me. I think when you look at some of the younger guys like Gasicki, Irv Smith, Noah Fant, who I'm really high on, hopefully Evan Ingram can match, you know, as far as his target volume, match some production alongside of that. That'd be pretty cool. Um, those guys for me have just, they have more opportunity. I think when you look at Janu and Henry, they can, they can, you know, they can prioritize them in the offense, but I just think overall you're you're still dealing with Cam Newton, so it's a lower passing offense as it is, and I'm just not sure how much you can honestly feed to both those guys where you can feel good about starting both of them. 
um, week in and week out. We'll see where the schedule shakes out, honestly. Like, if it's a good matchup, I don't mind taking a shot on him. Just be like, hey, talent hopefully rules out and, you know, maybe get lucky. But I just – that I would only draft them as my streamers to start the year. I wouldn't take them with any sort of mid-round pick feeling like, all right, I got my guy for at least three, four weeks here. So it's just – it's really tough, and I hate it. I hate it. I hate it because – I really like these guys. <laughs> they just, they shouldn't be on the same damn team. Uh, but uh, there you go. Thanks, Bill. <laughs> you know, the uh, tight end strategy here on the fantasy football SmackDown, it's you're, you're going for Travis Kelsey or you're going for Jared cook. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? That's a guy I didn't even put in my rankings. And to be honest, probably not the worst guy you could grab with the last pick, you know, the, the tight end uh, for Justin Herbert. That, that's who I had rounded out my tight. We did 20 a piece. I had Jared Cook at 20 right behind these New England guys. I mean, hey, Jared Cook's in uh, in L.A. with Herbert now in case you guys missed that one. So I know it was a big game signing. But honestly, like out of all the free agent signings at tight end, that wasn't wasn't the worst. That's he, for sure. He, at least say he deserves to be ranked. So, Jared, we know you're listening. That's my bad, buddy. Yes. That's that's all I've got uh, for this episode of the Fantasy Football Smackdown. Kyle, is there anyone that we missed here that you were just dying to talk about and you're like, damn it, Jake, you pass him? Uh, the only one would be Blake Jarwin um, in this Cowboys offense. Again, I think there's going to be a ton of volume. So, like, for redraft, it is what it is. We'll know as, this, as it gets closer and he'll pick up steam, I feel like. Um, but if you're in a dynasty league, like people have definitely forgotten about the name Blake Jarwin, because, uh, even with all the hype last year with the injury, he's been off everyone's radar. So he's the guy that I, I kind of, as I'm looking at this today and on, uh, April 12th, <laughs> I'm like, I'm probably going to have a lot of him because he's probably gonna, I, I would put my money on. He's going to be the last guy sitting around from this entire group. Well, aren't you worried that Kyle Pitts ends up taking some of that target share away from Blake Jarwin? I would love that, Jake. Let's go. F that defense. Just load him on up. Add Pitts to this offense, and let's roll. Let's put up 50 on everybody. Fantastic. I love it. Kyle, why don't you sign us out of here today? Yeah, absolutely, man. So you can follow Jake on Twitter at JakeTakesFF. He's been dropping bombs over on the Twitterverse, so you got to be giving him a follow. You can follow me on Twitter at KyleMonth8. Check out the Dynasty War Zone every Wednesday. The DWZ Football Network will be coming at you. We're going to be here next week with Matt Hicks, the FF educator, great NFL draft mind. So I'm really looking forward to picking his brain. So if you're looking for some rookie talk as the draft gets closer and closer, be sure to tune in next week. Other than that, we'll catch you guys next week. Stay safe. Later.